There's a bunch of crazy stories written by the Brothers Grimm. And now you're gonna learn all about them, listening to the Brothers Grimm. Students and scholars, friends and relations, welcome to the Brothers Dim podcast, where we discuss the outlandish and sometimes grotesque fairy tales written down by the Brothers Grimm in Germany in the early 1800s. My name is Phil. And my name is Mike. And today we will be discussing story number 25, The Seven Ravens. Not, mind you, not to be confused with the 12 brothers who became ravens after the birth of their sister, even though these seven brothers, you'll forgive the spoiler, but even though these seven brothers <laughs> get turned into ravens after the, right after of, their the sister, birth of their sister, right after the birth of their sister, <laughs> different. In fact, I think there are multiple parallels between the stories. Quite a bit. <laughs> but we can get uh, into that after we run through the plot. Before that, however, Mike, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm kind of getting over a little bit of an illness. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm doing all right. How are you all doing? Right, yeah. I'm okay. I'm excited. I ordered some stuff. I got some stuff in the mail <gasps> to make to make I you a prototype stuff. for my board game, Horse War. Ooh. The war is, among this the is, horses. This is based on a dream, right? This is based on a dream I had, yeah. I had a dream that we were all playing a board game called Horse War, in which all these horses are at war. And to buy the stuff to make the prototype, it was only like 20 bucks. Nice. Buy a bunch of uh, blank hexagon shaped cards i don't you know a little scraps of paper for the for for everything else at the moment yeah got some crayons already so you know <laughs> it's gonna be some straight up guns of dunshire here oh yeah uh, way simpler and let's see what what else is going oh baby's doing fine hopefully he won't get turned into a raven and luckily for him amanda is closed for baby related business all right so he will not be having six brothers nor a sister. We all know what happens when that baby sister comes. Yeah. <laughs> Coffins, ravens, you name it. Speaking of that, should I go through the plot? Oh, please do. Once upon a time, there was a man with seven sons, but most of all, he wished for a daughter. Luckily for him, one day his wife gave birth. Kid number eight is a girl. But when she was born, she was a bit sickly. So they thought she was going to die. Dad sends the boys out to the well with the pitcher to fetch some water for an emergency baptism, which there's the line that made me <laughs> laugh. The, first. Uh, the boys drop the pitcher down the well. Uh, they get scared that dad will be mad at them, so they dawdle. The father then gets mad that they're being slow and wishes that they were all turned to ravens. Wishes granted by God or something, but anyways, the wishes, gr <laughs> wishes granted by Mother Holla. And the boys all fly off. Daughter, however, she takes a turn for the better, grows up plenty strong. And while the parents don't remember that they wished the boys into ravens, they are sad about it, but at least they have the girl. So the girl grows up a bit. She starts not knowing that she had siblings, but eventually she overhears someone talking about that the seven boys used to exist, and it's her fault that they are gone. And she's only healthy because they were killed or, or whatever happened. No one knows. So there, yeah, it's her fault that they're gone and not the fucking dad <laughs> who did the actual wishing. She eventually decides she's going to go find. It. She packs a bag and in the bag, she puts a ring, I guess, uh, like a family ring. She puts a loaf of bread, 
a pitcher of water and a small chair <laughs> which was the line that also made me laugh well you know <laughs> like, in case you an get actual tired. chair i saw a picture later on where they are wearing chairs like backpacks but <laughs> as they Anyways, did as they did the other thing is i was like this is either foreshadowing or they're never going to mention this chair again <laughs> <laughs> it's about a 50 50 with grim so, so story starts out pretty normal um that was that gets us through like the third paragraph anyways out she goes she walks so far she reaches the sun all right this is the other thing. This is talking about your fucking right turns that these stories take. This yeah. turn the story starts out fairly normal and then just turns into this psychedelic mess. But yeah, I digress. This gets very psychedelic. Um, yeah. <laughs> she reaches the sun. She finds it very hot and terrible. And she found she noticed that the the sun quote devoured little children. So she turns around. She walks to the moon, but the moon is very cold and also malicious. And when the moon saw her, said I smell the flesh of men. <laughs> so Which is how I no... hear the moon in my head. Yeah. <laughs> so that's no good. She runs away. Finally, she goes to all the stars and they're all very kind and they all have little chairs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good company. Just like, just like her. And the morning star finally rises and gives her a drumstick of chicken. <laughs> and says, "Take this drum, take this drumstick to Glass Mountain, and with it you can open the mountain. Just the mountain, it's not a door. No, you can go up the mountain. There you will find your brothers. So off to the Glass Mountain she goes. But when she gets to the door, she looks through her knapsack. No drumstick, and it must have slipped from her bag. So she cuts off her finger and <laughs> strips it all of it. So so that turns into a bone. Use that as a key, and the door opens." Ta-da. <laughs> inside the door is a little dwarf who comes up to her and asks her what you know what, what what are you doing here and the girl says well i'm looking for my brothers and the dwarf says well they ain't home but they'll be back soon you're the sister of the the seven ravens right you know <laughs> she says, yeah of course and the girl says okay dwarf then starts setting the table and puts out the the dinner for the ravens the girl then goes and eats a bite off of each plate and then drops her ring into one of the glasses and then goes and hides. The ravens come home. They immediately notice that someone's been munching my dinner. And one is like, well, someone's been drinking my water. And they left a ring behind. And the ravens all notice. They say, oh, shit, this is our family ring. This is our family crest. And say, if our sister's around, you better show yourself. So she does. <laughs> and then as soon as she does, the ravens all get turned back to boys. Uh, and they all have a hug and kiss, and then they go home. The end. <laughs> Mike, do you have any thoughts? I do. Actually, so one point I have, and it, so I think you had a similar point of confusion that I had. Okay. When I was first reading it, so the the dad curses the the, the kids, and they turn into ravens. Um, and then the next line is the parents could not recall the curse. And whoever sad they were at the loss of their seven sons, they were still somewhat comforted against her dear little daughter who soon gained strength and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so I was like, why can't they remember it? And then later on, when she hears about the disappearance of the sons, she finds out that they were ravens. And when she goes to the dwarf in the glass mountain, he's like, oh, are you the sister of the ravens? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sister of the ravens. I'm, or she speci uh, specifically says, I'm here for my brothers. They're the seven ravens. Oh, oh so I was yeah, like, wait, how does yeah. she know if the parents don't remember? And then I realized the wording, the parents could not recall the curse. It's actually like 
in not memory but take back like oh, they could not take back okay. the curse and actually i i just i i pulled up a separate version because i don't have my book in front of me and it specifically uses the wording take back yeah. instead of recall it also uses chicken bone instead of drum like a drumstick huh. which makes a little more sense than like a meaty chicken drumstick <laughs> but yeah That's so really I, interesting. It, it's, it's funny that you and i both made the the same errant reading i didn't catch that at all i just i thought i was like oh they they must have because it's a neat idea to curse someone and then forget as part of the curse mm. to forget that you even did that yeah i was like oh that's that's like an interesting oh, take yeah. on it but yeah i read it a couple of times and i was like how does she know oh there's too many two meanings of recall oh I, I completely missed that but all right do you have a moral i i don't think i do do you yeah kind of but i saw one interpretation of this story and all of these stories there's the seven swans there's the 12 bats the six pigeons or whatever it's all a young sister and six older boys or seven older boys whatever the fuck the number is all going away and someone pointed out that could be a parable for war and your brothers are all going to go away they're all going to die yeah that's arguably what happens you're turning into a raven that's that's clearly you're, you're dying they all come back but mostly they don't so believing in them like really praying i guess might bring your brothers back safe was a moral that i thought that is a really interesting reading and now i'm gonna have to rethink all of these types of stories i i really like that interpretation it goes into a little bit into my hollywood pitch later <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> i do love your hollywood pitches oh i like i like doing them even though they're not all movies sometimes they're just psychedelic concept records <laughs> speaking of psychedelic <laughs> oh my god jesus christ atu 451 the maiden who seeks her brothers same as story nine the 12 brothers and a million other of these stories breath like i said brothers get turned into swans or llamas and younger sisters to the rescue this one was first edition too which kind of surprised me yeah i was like you know did did somebody you know like a, a neighbor on the you know the far side of town was like oh i've got a i've got a tale for you and starts telling this one and they're like no no no, no. we already heard this one from from gretchen and and this one's like, different man yeah this I one's got some good this one's got <laughs> a it's got a it's got a, a chicken bone in it yeah yeah chicken <laughs> and, um she goes to the she goes to the, the sun, sun? To, yeah like <laughs> it starts it started out there's normal a, yeah there's a freaking glass mountain and a, we've, and a, we've heard and this dwarf. story before <laughs> no you don't, you don't know about all this other stuff <laughs> this crazy shit happens with this one this is very different <laughs> yeah um, that's yeah I, I do wonder how well known this one was in comparison to the 12 brothers it seems like then there was a lot of art that I saw of her going out because this feels a little more weirdly enough, like, like an actual fairy tale hmm. of how I sort of perceive a fairy tale, like the idea of going to the moon or going to the sun, the sort of Alice in Wonderland psychedelia that if not fairy tales, that more long form stories started taking Yeah, where they were like just weird trips. And I mean, and all of those stories were written by people who were intimately familiar with all of these stories right but the the idea of going to the moon and the moon being you know the personification of a moon that starts talking about how it smells human flesh it, it just it did remind me of like alice wandering around and finding all these fucking bizarre things and she never went to the moon or the sun but the may as well have and having a chair with her you know and meeting all the stars and the stars all having little chair there was a lot of art that i saw like i said 
very weird but yeah um, it was interesting that the, all the stars had chairs but it didn't mention anything about like her being like oh i have a chair too or you know and they all drew their chairs up together like there's no mention of her chair no it's just like as, oh they have chairs too as with all good. almost all grim <laughs> there's something that's not going to be relevant at all or and weirdly everything is super concise yeah. They get so oh, much. Yeah, this, they get this is so like much story. Yeah, for a page and a half, <laughs> they managed to visit celestial bodies. There's you know people dying. That you know it just on and on and on. It's mind bending. The one question I had, it, okay. I'm almost certain that they we knew that the sun was a star at this point, right? Because she goes to the sun, which is very inhospitable, and then she goes to the moon, and then she goes to the stars. Which are yeah. also suns. I don't know, actually. I guess we must have. Yeah, I, I, at that I feel point, like but I was I, I, out in Copernicus time. Or... No, I mean, he knew that we weren't the center of the the universe or whatever. Yeah, the sun did not go around us. Sun did not go around us. Heliocentricity or whatever the fuck yeah. it's called. But um, I don't know. That, that's I don't a, that's know a that good we... word. <laughs> I might be. I might not be saying the right word. <laughs> I am not sure that we knew that stars were other some of that i don't know how we would have been able to wait we may i mean maybe and maybe they figured that shit out in like the 1600s or something yeah. but um i i honestly don't know i don't even know at this point if they had known about like neptune and uranus yeah i don't, like, I forget I don't if that know that was the when... 1700s or the 1800s they found that yeah i don't know when all the planets came along well, I mean, we with the, with the ones that we can see up to saturn but the the outer planets they didn't they just they had to figure out through uh, Uranus, they figured out with uh, Herschel, I think the was the guy's name, just by accident, pointing his fucking telescope out at the <laughs> at the sky and seeing a planet one day, and then and then Neptune was discovered because no one could figure out Uranus's uh, orbit, and so they figured out where Neptune was because of math, because the gravity was tugging on the Uranus. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I actually got in a discussion this past weekend about we. It was it was uh it was the night of the full moon, okay. and there was what I was almost certain was Jupiter to the bottom left of it, okay. and we got in a discussion. We both had the night sky or different night sky apps, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Jupiter, and somebody else was like, I'm pretty sure that's Uranus, and of course we had a lot of Uranus <laughs> jokes. Yeah. Um. So I so I googled it, and it turns out that very occasionally. You can see Uranus with the naked eye from Earth, but it's yeah. it's it's like a every few years it's like a big deal and it's it's very faint. So we yeah. all we, we all finally agreed it was Jupiter, but yeah, there's no fucking way. There's no that you saw Uranus. Yeah, it was, <laughs> like, it was very bright. I was yeah, like, nope, the, that's Jupiter. No, yeah, the Jupiter's the brightest star in the sky. If you're seeing a star and you're like, oh, it's, it's Jupiter, almost almost always. Not a star. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but if you from from the perspective of people that you know i understand that it's not a star it's probably just me but the whole trippy like went to visit the sun and visit the moon and then uh the stars and got a chicken bone and went to the glass mountain and used it as a key uh, but then it disappeared so i had to cut off my finger and use it uh, except for the cutting off the finger part i got very like wrinkle in time vibes hmm. I don't, and I don't know if it's just sort of like that's a vaguely interstellar travel science fiction slash fairy tale kind of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- this did, and maybe it's just like the austere glass mountain concept. It came across as a little bit sci-fi ish. I think, uh, was it, uh, Madeline Langle, Lang- yeah. Langle, Langle, yeah. like to pretend that Madeline Langle didn't know this story, not to say that she was taking, she, she stole like the idea from the story, but, or from, from story 20 or 20, where are we, 25. So what, when was that story written? Like, was that wrinkle in time? Yeah, I the, feel like it was like 60s, 50s right? 50s or 60s. So that's 70 years ago. That's 80 years ago, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So so 80 and that's so that's halfway almost to, to Grimm's. So I think that the stories in Grimm's were in the public brain, I guess, however you want to phrase yeah. that. Um, I think this story especially like inspired quite a bit of people with this. <laughs> I might be wrong and maybe maybe this is just this was all over the place but it's it's bonkers enough that I think a lot of people were affected by it so if you feel that you're getting vibes from Wrinkle in Time I'm sure that you are and I'm sure she she knew this story yeah yeah I would I wouldn't be surprised not to you know accuse her of not having original ideas because she no I mean certainly that's, did I we, we all we all I mean I'm a writer I'm a, I, I write songs I write novels or whatever to pretend that you're not affected by the things that you hear or or listen to or that are inspired that you're inspired by for me to pretend that melancholy and the infinite sadness isn't the record that i listened to and i said wow i should make music not 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 like i can i don't know how to do that yet but i should i should go and learn how to play fucking bass or guitar just so i can start making music that's how much that record affected me. Yeah. And to pretend that like the that Billy Corgan doesn't have an intimate hold on my songwriting, despite of what, you know, and I'm not I'm not copying him, but like there's no way that I can write a song that doesn't actually have part of that in it. Right. I think. Yeah. But that it's all it's all there. So I think, yeah, I think obviously, you know, you you get a lot of inspiration from a lot of different places. Have you ever gotten to a door, realize you've lost your key and think? I'll cut my finger off. <laughs> I have I, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also never had it. I've never had I never had anyone come to me and say, like, hey, dude, bro, you got any here's a chicken wing. And I'm like, ooh, that looks delicious. They're like, well, no, don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a key. It's, it's a magical. I'm like, listen, I come to Buffalo Wild Wings for a couple of reasons. WWE pay-per-views. And wings. And I don't want you telling me I'm not allowed to eat this wing because I need to use this as a key to go up in the glass mountain to find my brothers. Now I'm wondering if maybe I can design a lock that takes a a chicken bone. I bet that you could. I'm not sure if I want to. Yeah, I don't don't know. That sounds like a lot of effort. It seems like it would be a a shitty lock. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably. Because the other thing is, is that they gave her the key and they're like, don't lose it. We're climb all the way to the stars. Don't lose it or you can't get in there. And she was like, I bet I could dick around with my finger. <laughs> Don't <laughs> it lose worked. it. Immediately like loses it. <laughs> I bet I could use pretty much fucking anything. I bet I could use a shoe. <laughs> fucking pine cone. <laughs> this uh, this in, doesn't uh... look like a very good lock. <laughs> and it's a whole mountain. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so last week, I, I went on a couple tangents trying to... F- possibly see things that probably weren't there um the one i have this week is 
so she's talking to the stars and then the morning star rose and gives her the the, the chicken leg are we talking about satan yeah lucifer yeah. the morning star and i was like hmm, is there something there yeah like both jesus and satan are referred to as the morning star so it's very possible that they were being as catholic as they were were making reference to it but then again the morning stars also it's just another one of the girls that just has a chair and gives yeah. and helps her get her brothers back. So the morning star is good. I don't think it was a reference to Jesus in that case, but I think that it was also some weird German sort of nature magic version, you know, like incorporated into the Catholicism that they also held dear thing. Yeah. But, Un- unlikely at best. Yeah. <laughs> but I did notice that um, anything further. Uh, not worth, <laughs> not worth bringing up. <laughs> I do have a quick Hollywood pitch for you. Pitch me. Okay. It's a war pitch. I'm going to get into too much detail here. This is going to be a quick one, but, um, mm. youngest daughter sees her dozen beloved brothers go off to war. They haven't come back even after the war battle, whatever it is ends. I'm not sure when I'd want to put this first. I was thinking World War One and then World War Two. I'm like, oh, shit's been done to death. I guess you could do Civil War Two if you. Well, yeah, we. You know what? If you have a good idea for a war, we can. Anyways, for some reason uh, I was I was picturing like a Viking raid. See, we did but, the Viking we, story. We've done Vikings. I've done Vikings versus zombies. Ooh, what about um, ancient Chinese empires going up against the Huns? Yeah, we can make this a Asian centric story. The, but, the, yeah. I digress. <laughs> You and I can workshop this. We'll 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 figure out a war that we like. But um, while uh, home, father starts getting sick. Now the brothers aren't back yet. Makes the daughter the heir to his fortune. But this brings all sorts of suitors around. She doesn't want to get married. Mm. She hears, however, that the enemy has holed up in the mountains somewhere. They're taking a bunch of prisoners. So she sneaks off. She finds out where they all are. She finds her brothers. And maybe maybe it's a whole bunch of kids like the end of that uh Indiana Jones movie or whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um it's like really young. But anyways, they all come home and then because the brothers are there, she's no longer the heir to the the farm or whatever it is and so all the suitors leave so she doesn't have to get married. Oh, thank God. Well, I think I think you could get like a lot you could get a fun story out of that. Out yeah. of that, that concept of yeah. just like I don't want to get married. My, so if you so you're saying if my brothers were back then they would be the heirs <laughs> and then I wouldn't have to get married. And they're like, yeah, I mean, you know, theoretically, and she's like, okay, <laughs> let me just I'll, pack up. I'll see you in race. <laughs> see, I'm off to meet the sun <laughs> <laughs> and the moon. <laughs> but um, that's my Hollywood pitch. I, I think that it, it would be fun. I don't know. Again, we can, we can workshop what war yeah. you want to do, but I feel I like, Anyway, working in some sort of like super sinister, creepy character that she meets at night to represent the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Like managed to to escape from that could be fun. That would be very fun. Anyway. okay. well, well, you don't have anything further and I don't have anything further. uh, As as always, send feedback to uh, Brothers Dim podcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us. Oh, that's true. And we're also available on all streaming platforms. And yes, also available on the sun and the moon and the stars. This has been story number 25, The Seven Ravens. Sleep tight, and we will see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>